everybody, Scott Burnside back for the Tuesday morning edition of Two Man Advantage. Sort of a, a, a line in the sand. The final morning edition of the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs. And I feel kind of like if I worked at the Wayne Gretzky winery and I looked up and saw Wayne Gretzky down pressing grapes, that's how I feel this morning about having Pierre Lebrun join me to put a cap on the 2020 playoffs. Pierre, honestly, like, I, I, no joke, I mean, joking aside, it, um, I'm glad you're here this morning because uh, we've come to the end of a road that has been so unbelievable. Uh, over, a, over a year ago, NHL teams were actually playing preseason games. We are like within days of the one-year anniversary of the start of the 2019-2020 season. And last night, the Tampa Bay Lightning in Edmonton in the bubble brought home their second Stanley Cup. I, I, I feel a bit, I don't know, I always feel this way at the end, but I feel a little bit sort of melancholy that it's over. Yeah, and first of all, this needs to be said, I mean, uh, because I think it's almost been taken for granted as time has gone on here, but absolutely crazy that the NHL pulled this off. Um, no positive tests, both bubbles, while Toronto still had a bubble going, airtight uh you know they get to play a cup final award a cup and there's no complete disaster because let's be honest that potential was there for it um and so hats off to the players who committed to that as well and and you know were not selfish and and did not give in to perhaps the kind of demons that you might have when you're staring at the same four walls for 65 days or whatever it was so hats off to the players and staff and and all the league people that put in countless hours to make this happen. It really is amazing that they were able to pull off return to play. Because let me tell you, <laughs> uh, having had some insight into how some of those conversations were going in May and June, oh my goodness! I mean, it really was touch and go. And um, I mean, think about this for a second. About a week or two before they announced Edmonton and Toronto as the bubble host, they were lined up for Vegas and Vancouver. (laughs) I mean, there was, uh, you know, people had to be pretty nimble through this process and uh, and they pulled it off. So it's pretty amazing. Well, and and Pierre, I think you're right. And and we're going to talk about what Tampa accomplished and how meaningful it is. But there are so many people who really did put themselves out there and and to be separate from their families and you know we had early on we had Steve Mayer from the NHL the the architect of the of the mm-hmm. bubble existence and he deserves you know, think, a ton of credit for all this oh, i mean he's a huge sure. part of it yeah well and just and think about he and his staff who were in you know weeks ahead of the actual players who came in what the last week of July i think we're talking now 9 plus weeks in the bubble for those who made it to the end that's that's not nothing and and Listen, I I've, I long ago stopped considering any kind of asterisk for this Stanley Cup, unless the reason you're going to to suggest that there needs to be some sort of, you know, setting this aside is that it may have been the most difficult Stanley Cup of all to win, given the round robin slash playing round. I, do you think that's overstating it, or when you think about this Tampa team, what they accomplished in 2020? Where do you put it in, in in the pantheon of of Stanley Cup champions? Yeah, I, I really think that no one should take anything away from this. I mean, I, I tweeted that right away about the no asterisks, yeah. but you know, the 
the mental grind of staring at the same four walls and and being in the you know in Tampa's case they were in two different bubbles at least but uh, you know being away from your family and friends and and it, it's it, you could feel it in their voices and their off day availabilities how it was just weighing on everyone and they couldn't wait to get out of the bubble so uh, and and the compressed schedule uh, I mean. Okay, they didn't have the travel of a normal playoff year, so they got away with not having to travel. But playing every second day, pretty much from day one, right? Yeah. I mean that that is way more compressed than a normal Stanley Cup year, where because of television commitments, the league spaces out series and especially the Stanley Cup final. Uh, not the case, uh, of course, here. So it really is a f- phenomenal um, achievement by the Tampa Bay Lightning, and and what a story! I, I mean, this is a team that ate some apple pie like you couldn't believe you know 15 months ago or more than 15 months ago in april of 2019 and um the feeling that they felt uh the embarrassment that they felt about winning 62 games and getting swept in the first round and then they come back and win the cup that's i mean to me that's what the sport's all about and and it tells you a lot about you know what they're about for sure it's amazing when you think about this Bolts team, who I, I believe this is stat is correct, that they played more overtime hockey than any team in NHL history in the playoffs, So, uh, and did not lose two in a row throughout the playoffs. I, mm-hmm. I was looking at Vasilevsky's stats. He was 6-0 going into Game 6 last night uh, after a loss, and... I wonder, you know, we often talk about the league as being a copycat league, and, and I think you know, we've talked about how GM uh, Julian Brisebois really did take a real hard look at that roster after the 19 loss to Columbus and made bold moves. Certainly, you know, we talked about a lot, you know, spent a lot to change that lineup. And whether it was Barkley Goodrow or Blake Coleman and Pat Maroon, and then late even in the going was Zach Bogosian, you know, Kevin Shattenkirk was part of that, Luke Shen. Is there is there a lesson that other teams will look at this and say, okay, we've got to do that? Or is there, will there always be kind of, oh, I don't, you know, can what happened here be replicated somewhere else? Does, does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, everyone has their own path to, you know, the, there's more than one way to win. But but I would actually quibble with you in a way. Like, I don't know that he made big moves. He actually deserves credit firsthand for not blowing up the team after what happened. Right. And sticking with their vision, except that he made measured moves, I would argue. In the sense that he took a long time to think about what that team needed. And, okay, Maroon last summer, yes. But, you know, the two deadline moves, Goudreau and Coleman, came after a ton of thought. And, you know, I remember sitting down with Julian Brisebois around the Christmas holidays. I was down in Tampa with my family and I did a sit-down. It's funny, I went back and read that interview today. There were quite a lot of foreshadowing answers in that Q&A with Julian Brisebois. One was that... He had studied the last 10 trade deadlines in the NHL and was trying to figure out why so many moves were overrated and that he had to make sure that if he did something, it had a specific purpose for his lineup. Man, I mean, honestly, you want to talk about someone who was trying to tell us something at the time, uh, adding Coleman and Goudreau were specific third line ads to add that kind of grit and grind that he felt obviously a very, very talented team was missing. And so he paid huge prices for those two players, but he'd do it all over again, clearly. Um, 
And, and so, so that was, was interesting. Um, you know, I, I had conversations with a few people in that organization last off season and, and their belief that the pain that they felt after losing that Columbus would just be part of their journey when they did finally win it. And they, you know, they got knocked down in terms of their confidence, but not in terms of their belief. And, um, and here they are a year later as cup champions. So you're watching last night and they go up to nothing. And, you know, is, is there, what do you take away from it? Is there a, a player or a moment? And, and I'll, I'll give you some time to think, but like for me, I'll think of, I'll think of Victor Hedman throughout this playoff run, and what you know. To me, I I, I haven't even seen the voting. I don't even know how they did. How they ended well, up. I'm going to get to it. I've seen. Uh, I was sent the breakdown because I was on the committee, so we'll get into that. It's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, yeah, because for me, and you know, having watched from afar, which is what we all most of us did, uh, I just thought Victor Hedman was so so critical. At such important parts, and and especially when you you know when you factor in that apart for those you know less than three minutes that Steven Stamkos was on the ice um, midway through the final, it, this was Victor Hedman's team. I guess that's my point. That's how it felt to me. And every time it looked like this team might be going a bit sideways, or there might have been something you were like, oh, okay, is this you know what's what's going to happen here? It was Victor Hedman that that the rose to the occasion and. I just thought it was a virtuoso performance from a guy who he's just such a a great person to deal with and such an important part of that team. But, you know, he he carried the burden like a lot of those people after, you know, what happened in 19 and, you know, coughing up the lead in the conference final in 18. And I just thought that was a tremendous performance. And that's what I'll take away from that is that this was Victor Hedman's moment, I thought. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, and by the way, he was hurt in that first round sweep last year. And you, and you, you know, looking back, you realize how could they ever win without this guy when he plays like this? But uh, he was my first place vote uh, on my Smythe ballot. I never wavered. Uh, nothing in the cup final took me away from that plan. I just think his playoff reminded me of the dominating playoff that Duncan Keith had in 2015 for the Chicago Blackhawks in terms of minutes and impact and role. And moments, um, and so you know, defensemen don't get to win this often. I think Hedman's only the fifth defenseman in 20 years to win the Conn Smythe. But to me, uh, he was my pick all the way. But I had lots of time for all the people who voted for Braden Point, and in fact, it was one of the closest Conn Smythe votes ever. So Hedman ended up with 70 points, and Braden Point was 66. Unbelievably close. So Hedman got nine first place votes eight second-place votes and a third-place vote. Point had eight first-place votes, eight second-place votes, and two third-place votes. So a really down-to-the-wire vote between Point and Hedman. And I would have been fine if, if, if Point had won. And, and actually, it's interesting because, uh, so there were 18 voters. I'm the only voter, interestingly, that gave a third-place vote to Andre Vasilevsky, which surprised me a bit. Now, obviously, Kucherov got most of the third-place votes, and how can you not? I mean, he led the playoffs in scoring, so... I certainly have no problem with that. So I looked at all four Tampa players, and I felt all four had all kinds of ways that you could argue for them. But I'm glad that I was the one who gave Vasilevsky third place vote because I think it would have been a bit shameful for him not to have a single sniff. (laughs) When you consider that he put on one of the great goalie performances of the past 20 years 
um, never left the net. I mean, in a in a compressed schedule where most teams used at least two goalies, that was never him. Consistent, never had a bad game. And um, and while I just pains me to have left off Kucherov because he was unbelievable. I'm glad that I gave Vasilevsky a bit of love because otherwise he wouldn't have been on a single ballot, which is kind of crazy. So now at the end of the day, it's it's really immaterial because it really came down to Pointer Hedman as I'm looking at all the ballots here for the Conn Smythe. And again, I can certainly make the argument for either Pointer Hedman, but I'm glad it's Hedman uh, because again, I think when a defenseman has that kind of two-month impact, it's it's it, it's just unbelievable how you can impact the game from there. Yeah, uh, I want to say I want to ask you about one thing before we take a break, and then we'll come back and we'll talk some Dallas Stars because they certainly deserve a you know, more than a tip of the hat, and and maybe we'll sort of spin forward a little bit on what these teams, you know, what lies ahead for both these teams. But mm-hmm. I, the, I was just really, you know, for me. And we talk about this with the Jack Adams uh, trophy often, that sometimes coaches of really super talented teams don't get the recognition that they deserve. I got to tell you, I was so impressed with John Cooper and how he managed his bench and his lineup throughout all of this. I mean, okay, he rolled out Vasilevsky every night. That was pretty easy. But just even, you know, when Ryan McDonough got hurt early in the playoffs and he went, you know, out of the normal routine, he went to 7D instead of 6 and Mm -hmm. moving Jan Ruda into the lineup in the final, which, uh, you know, Zach Bogosian and Luke Shen and how he, you know, even last night, you know, tinkering around the edges with that lineup to make sure that there was no sort of backsliding or whatever it was. But I just thought John Cooper, you know, because listen, you know, he took it took it on the chin a bit when they got swept by Columbus, and that comes with the territory. But I thought he really redeemed himself throughout mm-hmm. this playoff run. So that, I, wanted to, I wanted to get that out there. Yeah, and I think that one of the things that he repeated himself and saying many times this year, and I, I ended up, I mean, think about the final game and how close the score was and the way Tampa was able, able to shut it down. One thing John Cooper said throughout the year, and again, going back to my visit to Tampa during the Christmas holidays, is that we have, you know, he, looking back at the 62-win season, John Cooper would say, we don't need to beat teams 8 nothing. We just need to make sure we play properly and win games and know how to shut teams down. That was the philosophical shift that happened. And you saw it this year. They played way better defensively. And you saw it in the playoffs. But sort of eliminating a bit of that offensive arrogance from their game that you know when you're up 3-1 in a game that's good enough now play properly and that was one of the big transitions in 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 both tactically but I think even more importantly philosophically and I think the cup clinching game was the perfect example of how far they had come from that 62 win offensive juggernaut uh, who would outscore their problems to finishing off a game the proper way and so that, I give a lot of credit to Cooper and his staff for that and uh, because they, they did have to change their mindset that way. Yeah, good point. All right, uh, don't go away. We'll come back. We'll uh, close things out on this special Stanley Cup final edition of Two Man Advantage. Uh, don't go away. We'll be right back. Last week is in the books. Now it's time to review the tape and prepare for this week. There is no better place to get in on all the action Then with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. To add to this week's excitement, 
DraftKings has a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs. If you haven't tried DraftKings yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, pass, and catch means more with DraftKings. It's simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the excitement of watching the game quite like having a shot at millions of dollars in prizes. DraftKings has paid out billions of dollars to winners since 2012, so they know a thing or two about cold, hard cash. Now, download the DraftKings app and use code RUN, R-U-N. For a limited time, new users can get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes this week. Don't miss out on the week four action. Enter code RUN to get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes with your first deposit. That's code RUN only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You and I have covered a lot of Stanley Cup finals together, and you and I have, over the years, you know, we've taken turns in some ways going, you know, covering the, the losing team. And that, man, there's nothing there's nothing harder than being in Ugh. or around players yeah. who've lost to the Stanley Cup final. And, and I got to tell you, you know, for me, a couple, just two things, watching – you know, the end of that game and seeing John Klingberg backchecking like crazy, even though it, it was over, right? But he never stopped skating in the, you know, the final four or five seconds before the horn sounded. And then after watching Jamie Ben do his Zoom uh, press conference, oh my God, like honestly, mm-hmm. just tear your heart out. The, there are no words. There's no words, right? And, and <laughs> Jamie Ben had very few words. And I, I just, you know, that was. That was a team that probably wasn't expected to be there, but man, they never quit. And it was, it was just, it was a great final, I thought. And I, I, you know, your heart goes out to the Rick Bonus and every person on that Dallas Stars team. And I wonder what you take away from the Stars at the end, because you know what goes into that, and you know that that's a hole that isn't going to be filled very quickly, if at all, by the by the the members of that organization. Yeah, I tweeted this this morning, but watching the Jamie Ben availability it it cemented what we thought would actually be the case scotty all of us which is that the team that lost the cup final in this bubble tournament would feel even worse off than a normal stanley cup loser it's always hard i mean it's never a good dressing room it's never a good scene but i think when you consider the sacrifices of life in the bubble to come up just short Oh my goodness! I think it's a the kind of soul crushing that you can't even put in the words. And Jamie Ben barely could. I mean, that was a real emotion and pain that he was showing there, and um, and that is tough. But that should be a team that's so proud. And I mean, had they won the cup, I mean, where could you have put that in the pantheon? And when you consider it, with, with you know, 
honestly, the best four teams in the NHL before the tournament, I think you would have argued, would be Vegas, Colorado, Tampa, Boston, right? I mean, if yep, you were going to do the sure. odds. Dallas would have beaten three out of the four had they won this final, which is uh, would have been <laughs> yes. about as well earned a cup championship as you as you've ever seen. But um, they couldn't pull it off, um, you know. It's uh, and I think a Rick bonus a lot. It was just one of the great souls of the game, and you know how the players played for him, and he'll have that interim tag lifted if he wants um, over the next few weeks, but. Um, that, that was, you know, it was tough for him. Great moment him and Victor have been embracing. Of course, bonus having such a impact on that Tampa team as well. And, and while we're at it, I mean, I mentioned this on Twitter last night, but, you know, let's not forget Steve Eisman in all this. I mean, he'd be, he'd be the last guy looking for a spotlight or attention. You know, Steve Eisman does not look for that. But um, this, you don't win cups overnight. And this franchise was rebuilt years and years ago when Steve Eisman came on the scene and they did so many good things and the culture and the way they do things and Julian Breeze boys kept that going but it all started with Steve Eisman so you know almost every year when a team wins a cup you can look at past at people that are gone that have had an impact right I remember when the Kings won the cup and Dean Lombardi started his news conference by thanking Dave Taylor for drafting Andre Kopitar it was so classy of dealing. No, but but, but it, it, it's almost always the case that, you know, by the time a team finally wins, a lot of the people that were there at the beginning aren't around. And, and certainly that's the case with, uh, with Steve Eisman. All right. Yeah, yeah, we always do this. And, and uh, in some ways it doesn't seem fair, but it's it's something that we always do, right? In the aftermath of these kinds of moments, I think it's natural to look ahead and you say, okay, well, you know what? And, and there's so much unknown. And you and I are going to we're going to reconvene tomorrow for our regular two man advantage podcast. And we're going to talk uh, about, you know, what's next, free agency, draft, all that kind of stuff. So it, it, it no one knows. But when you look at these two teams and let's start with Dallas, I, I, it's such a fascinating team to me when you start to uh, imagine what happens next, because, you know, your goaltender is Anton Hudobin, who's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Um I think some real legitimate questions about, well, where does Ben Bishop fit into this, who's still under contract? Um, you've got your young players. Oh, my gosh. You know, Mira Haskin, honestly, I thought he hit a bit of a wall in the final. There were some moments where you're like, okay, he is he's still a kid. Finished with 26 points in 27 games. Unbelievable. I thought John Klingberg was outstanding. Um, but you have your veteran, you know, Joel Pavelski. What, you know, what a remarkable playoff run for him. Corey Perry, of course, forcing uh, a, a six-game nearing the end of his career. But so it's not just like there. It's hard to, at least for me, it's hard to sort of get your arms around. Okay, you know, is this Stars team built to, you know, to make these kinds of runs again, or because there were so many contributions from older guys, is this maybe, is it going to be hard to replicate? And I wonder what you make of that Stars team moving forward. Yeah, and you know they've had a couple of good years, right? I mean, taking the eventual Cup champion Blues to Game Seven overtime a year ago. Let's not forget that. So they've had a couple of exactly. decent runs here, yep. and um, I mean, obviously they got to. Fi- I think they really got to figure out their goaltending. Um, you know, um, you know, can Ben Bishop recover here and be the man again? Um, do they re-sign Hubo and and if so, what's what makes sense? I mean, 
he's his story was unbelievable, but he is 34. <laughs> so yeah. it's uh, it's not so obvious to me what the path is in goal for Dallas. So so that'll be uh, a tough call for for Jim Neal. But you know, other than that, there's a lot of good bones and good parts coming back here. I mean, I, I don't think this roster needs anything dramatic. Um, you know, and, and what a playoff for Joe Pavelski, by the way, who, you know, I, I talked to him before the cup final and, you know, the regular season was a real adjustment for him. He wasn't a hundred percent, but boy, the few players use the pause better than Joe Pavelski. I mean, he really showed what he's about and playoff Joe came out to play. Um, you know, one player that disappointed me for them was, was Alexander Radulov, um, you know, really inconsistent and, um, you know, he's paid to be a first-line scorer, and, and I, I thought that he was one of their more inconsistent players, Scotty. Don't know what you think. Um, you know, no one's 100%, and I'm sure he was banged up. But, um, you know, uh, Tyler Sagan, of course, will be his harshest critic, but absolutely uh, was never 100%. I mean, he would, remember, he was banged up early in the round robin, and I think just tried to play through that the entire postseason and it certainly affected him but um yeah i i mean listen i think that rick bonus if he wants he's 65 years old but if rick bonus wants he becomes the full-time head coach and and this is a team that has the bones to contend again i think yeah no i i'm with you and and i do feel bad for tyler sagan and he ended up with two goals but to, to your point clearly not right and i got to tell you listen you know i've been fairly you know among those who's been critical of jamie ben at times but it, i don't think it's hyperbole to say that might have been his finest uh body of work for the dallas stars at a most critical time i know he i just thought he was outstanding and uh, you're right there's you know there's and the the young players that really will you know a guy like uh kiviranta rope hints who was injured for the last couple of games of the final and dennis gurianov uh, and of course we mentioned haskin and there's lots to like gurianov rfa by the way interesting yes, yes. <laughs> interesting yes. negotiation coming there for dallas yeah yeah Okay, so let's so Tampa. Oh, you know, I mean, poor Julian Breezeball, right? They, you know, he gets to have a long night of celebration. Hopefully, last night and first Stanley Cup uh, since two thousand four. How, how about Tampa? Two Stanley Cups in their history. They in both times, no idea really when they will play hockey again after winning a Stanley Cup. Because of course, they missed the 04, or after the 04 win, they lost the season to the lockout, and and we don't know when. 2021 will resume, but uh, Julian Brisebois still has tons of work to do. I was looking at it today, Pierre. He's basically got two defensemen that are under contract uh, for next year, Victor Hedman, Ryan McDonough. Braden Coburn is is under contract, but didn't play three games early on, and that was that was it for Braden mm-hmm. Coburn. But he's got a lot of work to do, um, but that's you know, that's what he gets paid to do. And he, and as you pointed out, he made, pushed all the right buttons in getting this team to a cup, but I, there's there's so much young talent here that you have to believe whatever happens, uh, you know, against the cap and however he, uh, Julian Breezewell, um reconstructs the lineup for next season, mm-hmm. that there's still so much to like about the core of this team that there's no reason to imagine they couldn't be right back in the same spot whenever the 21 season comes to an end. Yeah, but I think, to be fair, I will say, though, that they probably will never be this deep again. I mean, I think there'll be a team that can contend for sure. Uh, but I think in terms of the depth 
to the roster, um, it was really, to be honest, important for them to win this cup because it'll be challenging now. And some things are not even their fault. I mean, a lot of the moves that they had done in the last couple of years was under the presumption, like most teams, that the cap will keep going up a couple of million every year. That's right. And yeah. of course, that's out the window now, thanks to COVID. So that hurts. I mean, even just literally in the next 12 months, they thought it would go to 84 million and now it's 81.5. Well, that makes the world a difference. And it's not just that two key young RFAs and Anthony Sorelli and, and Mikhail Sergachev need new deals. And that in itself is is really the headline of the offseason for them. But don't forget that Andre Vasilevsky, the extension he signed a year ago only goes into effect next season. So he, he gets a $6 million raise now. That's right. Um, so you add it all up and it's a complete cap nightmare uh, for Tampa. But as a wise executive once told me years ago, the teams with cap nightmares normally are the teams that have talent. So that's that's why you have a cap nightmare for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And um, you know what it reminds me of what Julian Breezeboy has to do in quick fashion here over the next couple of weeks? I remember when Chicago won a cup in 2015, being on the ice, we were both on the ice, you and I, when the media was allowed on. Yep. And watching Stan Bowman, the GM of the Blackhawks, in full embrace with uh, Brandon Saad. They were so happy, and Saad had had a great final. And they were hugging and saying, yeah, we did it again. And then I think it was like eight or nine days later that <laughs> Stan Bowman treated Brandon Saad. And because he had no choice. I, I mean, there right. were yeah. cap considerations again, and Stan Bowman was, was the magician of, you know, trying to, keep his team afloat with all the salary cap gymnastics over three Stanley Cup championships. But that was it, that moment. I always go back to that because, you know, it would have, he hated trading Brandon Saad at the time, but it is what it is. The business takes over and, uh, and Julian Breezewell will now, you know, have to deal with that. And there's no easy way out of cap hell for Tampa. I mean, a year ago they had to trade JT Miller to Vancouver, right. Uh, to, um, help mitigate their cap situation. Now they're going to have to do it again. Um, I know a lot of people wonder about whether Tyler Johnson is the guy they move. He makes five million a year for another four years and he's become, and I say this with all due respect, but he's become more of a support player now in that team. And But he's got a full no trade, a full 100% no trade. So uh, tread carefully on that one. Now he really decides what his future is. Um, now, Patrick Hornquist had a full no trade as well, and he got traded last week, right? So who knows, uh, by Pittsburgh. Alex Kalorin is the interesting one, um, coming off a career year. He has a modified no trade. Uh, it's a 16-team list, so a bit of flexibility there. But, again, it's not like you would enjoy trading him if you were Tampa, right? I mean, he's a pretty good hockey player. But, listen, that whatever the case is, something has to give. Um, they need to find cap room. And, and and I say that, I don't know that these Sorelli and Sergeyev negotiations are going to be a walk in the park either. Um, Anthony Sorelli with Newport Sports, um, you know, a perennial, is going to be a perennial Selkie Trophy guy now. And Mikhail Sergeyev, who's with Todd Diamond, um, you know, rising offensive star defenseman. And I, I don't think they're, that camp is thinking bargain city. So uh, it's, and, you know, is there a team out there that offer sheets one of these two guys, by the way? Um, so lots lots to digest here with the Tampa Bay Lightning, who hopefully can uh, 
still enjoy their 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 cup here for a bit and their hangover today but uh, <laughs> the business at hand is certainly there for Julian Breesbo no question all right, my friend. Well, here's uh, on a personal note. I would like to say that I hope that when the Stanley Cup champion is crowned in 21, and who knows where and when that will be exactly, I hope we get to do it together, my friend. It was, uh, you know, a sign of the times that, uh, mm-hmm. that we spent a, a long playoff run chatting regularly, but never in the same space. So, I hope for I hope for everyone. I hope for the game for everyone connected. Yeah, for everyone everywhere that by the time the 21 Stanley Cup champion is crowned that we're back to something that approaches normal and, and can enjoy it in, in its proper way. But uh, we've got a couple of business things here. Before you and I reconvene tomorrow for our regular uh, two-man advantage uh, podcast, you could might want to give Craig Custance a listen. He's got two today, two this week. He's trying to horn in on my territory, Pierre, you know, multiple podcasts. Mm. Uh, he's got two versions of the full 60 this week. Uh, one with Renee Hess, the founder of the Black Girl Hockey Club, uh, and our man, Corey Pronman, the man who knows everything about all the young players who will be drafted in the, just over a week, really, uh, will join Craig for the Prospect Series version of the Full 60 on The Athletic. Um, you should check out our comment section for each podcast episode at The Athletic app and rate and subscribe to Two Man Advantage on Apple. If you aren't a subscriber to The Athletic, man, do not miss out on this. Subscribe now and save. And if you go to theathletic.com slash twomanadvantage, you can receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month. Pierre, great to have you here this morning. We're going to do it again tomorrow. We'll uh, And we will move quickly into off-season mode on Two Man Advantage. But uh, I can't think of a better way to close out the playoff uh, discussion than with you literally or virtually at my side, my friend. Thank you so much. Right on, right on.